I don't think they will bottle this one. But if they did, if they really be, did, I mean, this would be the biggest spursiness of all time. Martin, you've put one together, or we're not doing that. I'm not interested in it. <laughs> I think we might be shaking hands on this one as well, Dan. Uh, we got Matty, Matty Cash. Ah, oh, that's biased. <laughs> yeah, did you used to play number six? Did you play where you were holding your field? Usually when there's an obsession with one position, because you played nah, there before. Nah, nah. oh, I, I can play anywhere, Julie. As soon as I saw that, I was like, what, what's happened then? <laughs> Who's he paid for that one? Maybe it doesn't really matter, because he's not going to win it. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Whoscored's very own Martin Lawrence, and we've got Julian Lawrence along for the ride again as well. Julian, follow me back on social media. <laughs> what a journey we've been on. It's the, the best thing I've done well, this month, maybe even this year in 2022. I mean, your account, Twitter and Instagram, because I follow you on Instagram as oh, well now. Wow, it, look it's at just that. fascinating. I mean, there's you and then... Not really sure who, who can say they're better than you on social media. I'm a fascinating and deep character on <laughs> social media. You, you okay, Martin? Been following me for a while. You know all about my country. Yeah. I'm like, to be honest, I'm not sure if I follow you on Instagram, to be honest. I didn't even know you had an Instagram. Oh, I'm on Instagram under a under a weird account. But let's not go into that. That sounds dodgy. It's not dodgy. <laughs> Made any transition. That really helps Rollo, I imagine, yeah. <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't need to grab the sound effect now because he can use the sound effect. <laughs> We're going to start then with the Who Scored Premier League team of the season. Then Julian and myself are going to try and argue against it, I suspect. Martin, who have Who Scored gone for with the algorithm? So the, the, the goalkeeper spot has actually chopped and changed a fair bit over the course of the season. It was Ramsdale for quite a long time at the start of the season. Then Jose Sarr uh, overtook him. So two new signings, but they've both tailed off quite dramatically sort of second half of the season it's actually Allison now sort of out of nowhere really uh not not out of nowhere in the fact that he wasn't good all season but like he's, he's climbed the rankings quite substantially particularly this year uh he's got 20 clean sheets which you can't really argue with in 35 appearances that's the same as Edison but from what from one fewer uh appearance he's also got the third best save success rate in the league at 73.5 percent uh the right back Pretty obvious. Trent Alexander-Arnold, 12 assists from the second most key passes in the league. The centre-back pairing is the Liverpool centre-back pairing. It's actually Joel Matip who has a higher rating in our in our system than than Virgil van Dijk. He's got three goals, two crucial ones in, in, in recent weeks as well. He's got the third best tackle completion rate. Couldn't end the season without mentioning tackle completion rate. Uh, or, or That's of centre-backs to attempt 50 or more. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, no no player has been involved in more clean sheets than him. 21 clean sheets for van Dijk. Most forward passes in the league. Uh, most people would have him as the, the nailed on one, I guess, and maybe Matip up for debate. But yeah, it's Matip who's got the higher rating from us this season. Uh, again, left back, pretty straightforward. Jao Cancelo, he's in the team of the week every other week, if not more than that for us. Uh, he's made the most passes in total in the league this season and the most passes in the opposition half. Just shows the impact that he has for this side in the in the sort of attacking third he's also made the most tackles and had the most shots for Man City this season registered seven assists incredible season from Joao Cancelo uh, the midfield three is all Man City uh, Rodri sort of anchoring that midfield he's actually got six goals it's twice as many as Jack Grealish this season he's won, uh, one possession in the midfield third the most times all season and he's third as well uh, fifth sorry in the attacking third so again Shows how much he's getting up the pitch. 
Uh, and City obviously camped in the opposition half most of the time, but he's just so effective at breaking up play. Uh, De Bruyne obviously completes the midfield, 15 goals, seven assists, most key passes per 90 by an absolute mile. Uh, and he's won the possession the most times in the attacking third. So his work rate is phenomenal as well. Uh, Bernardo Silva uh, is the third midfielder, eight goals, four assists. Obviously, he's dropped off in the second half of the season. He was probably one of those that you'd have considered as a genuine player of the season candidate in the first half of the season. But he has dropped off, but he still keeps his place in our team. Uh, he's made the most dribbles and most tackles in his Man City career so far this season. Uh, and the front three, again, I don't think there's really a huge amount of debate in the team this season, which is quite odd. Uh, Salah on the right, 22 goals, 13 assists. He's on course to match Kane's feet for topping both of those statistics, uh, which Kane obviously managed last season. Uh, Son on the left, 21 goals, really obviously hot on the heels of Salah for that golden boot now, which we'll come on to later. Uh, seven assists as well. He's fifth for key passes in the whole whole league. So that area of his game has really improved. Obviously, Kane's side of the game gets mentioned a lot, but not so much Son. So to rank fifth for key passes is really impressive. Conversion rate of 26.6%. I also think he's maybe in the debate as one of, one of, if not the best finisher in the league now. He's second to Vardy in that regard, who maybe would be in that consideration as well. He's got double the conversion rate of Harry Kane, who does uh, scrape into the team. Uh, after a really, really, it's, a, it's difficult to, to sort of overlook how um, poor he was first half of the season. One goal and one assist before December. He's got 15 and seven since. Uh, the only player to have a direct hand in more goals in that time is Hyung Min Son. So that partnership for Tottenham, pretty impressive. So yeah, the team, I think you'll, I'm confident you'll struggle to argue with it. Alisson, Trent, <laughs> Matip, Van Dijk, Cancelo, Rodri, Bernardo. De Bruyne, Salah, Son and Kane is our team of the season. Only one I would argue with is Kane. I can't get past that start of the season. But then there isn't an obvious striker to come in and replace Exactly, him. that's the thing, yeah. yeah Mane. Mane has a force number nine or number nine, like he's been playing you know, recently. Yeah, I, mean, I may be remembering this wrong, but I feel like Liverpool fans were a little bit anti-Mane for the first half of the season. And when Diaz came in, it was like Diaz is going to come in and replace him. Mane is going to be phased out the team. And then obviously he's gone on and played centre-forward for the second half of the season and been really good. So I feel like yeah. I can't have him in because I feel like he's only had a good second half of the season. Does that make sense? I think he was he was, he was pretty good first half of the season. I think it was mainly last season, like the 18 months maybe before yeah, this season, that he was, he'd had a, quite a big drop-off. Started this season... Pretty well, not fantastically. Like you say, definitely much better this second half of the season post-AFCON. Uh, riding off that high, I guess, he's been sensational. So, yeah, definitely a shout. So, I've got Alisson in goal. I've got Trent at right back. I've got Cancelo at left back. I've got Van Dijk, Bapu, Rudiger uh, as the second centre-back. Because I've been very impressed, even maybe more by the leadership, you know, <coughs> usual kind of stuff, even if he's a bit crazy at times, than, than anything else. I know a back three is very different to a back four, so... You could see quite clearly he's he's more comfortable in the back three, which I think a lot of centre-backs would be anyway, obviously, because you've got an extra defender. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a, a quite impressive season. Then I've got Declan Rice as my holding midfielder instead of Rodrigo. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just fascinated by Rice and how young he is and the, the things that he, he does and how complete he is now as in that position. Uh, I put Christian Eriksen 
as my third midfielder with KDB, just because I love the story. Not so much yeah. in terms of stats or compared to Bernardo. I think Bernardo has had a, a great season, like Martin said, especially the first half. But I love the Ericsson story. I love how much of an impact he had on Brentford when he arrived, considering I think they, they hadn't won in seven before him and now they've lost only one, I think, where United or something like that since he joined. So I just love... Love all all about that story from him coming to Brentford, especially after what happened last summer, and then like I said, money for for Kane. But yeah, no standout centre forwards nowadays, really. Is there in the Premier League? Obviously, Kane is the standout centre forward, but because yeah. of that games changed, Dan. Games changed. I don't like it. Not, <laughs> don't need strikers anymore. Let's bring back some proper number nines. That's what we want to say. If the, the the closest sort of proper number nine in our ratings, it's probably a little spoiler alert because he he'll come into our team. Tony? Next, but yeah, Ivan Tony mm. is the closest. Um, yeah, yeah. He's so that says a lot, I guess. He got he's got into double figures for goals, Tony. For he has, yeah, as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that would probably be a, be a be a fair pick. Right, player of the season nominees. Then, assuming the top five is agreed, Salah, KDB, Son, Trent, and Cancelo. Which other three would you have in? I'll start with you, Julian. So I went for Van Dijk because, like we said, even if. In the who's called system, Matip is, is is higher. I think Van Dijk is the best defender in the world by far. But you so can Van say Dijk Rashford in, wasn't there last season as well. Yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, completely. Yeah, the extra twenty five points or something like that that they have is 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 partly for that. Uh, I put Declan Rice because again, I think in terms of progression and where he is at that age in a in a team like West Ham uh, and what he does is phenomenal. And then I've got Mason Mount because I think people have been really harsh on Mount. And if you look at, so certainly in terms of the Chelsea team that still finished third and, and you know, went to uh, went to cup finals and won trophies, I think he's he's been their best player in the, the goals and the, the chances created, the key passes, all of that. He's been very impressive at times. So I think, I think people have been harsh on him. So I thought, you know, to console him in a bit, I, I put him in the list so that make him happy, you know, and he can go into the summer in a happy mood. I thought about Mount as well. He nearly made my my next three, but I didn't quite manage to, to get him in. I went for Declan Rice as well for all the reasons that you've mentioned. Incredible footballer. I also went for Rodri. I think he's pivotal to what yeah. Manchester City do. I think he breaks up so many dangerous attacks from, from opponents because of the way Manchester City play. I think he's had a really, really good season and has popped up with a few important goals as well. Third one, I just went for Fabina because the same kind of reason as, as, as Roger really. He's actually scored a few more goals this season. He's, he's looked dangerous from set players. I think he's an underrated player that's critical for Liverpool as well. What he does goes under the radar. So they were the three that, that I picked, all playing the same position there. Yeah, did little... you used to play number six? Did you play where you were holding your <laughs> Usually when there's an obsession with Definitely one position not. because you played no, there no, before. No. Yeah. Oh, well, I, could play, I could play anywhere, Julian, except for anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere, anywhere up front or on the That's wing. The of average play, 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 yeah, play me anywhere. Play me anywhere, yeah. you know. Martin, what have who scored come up with? Um, so, yeah, like we've got one in agreement. So, we, we've got Rodri. Uh, he's actually sixth uh, in our in our rankings. Obviously, touched on it before. He's added added goals to his game, getting getting up the pitch a little bit more this season. But, yeah, I just think the way he breaks up play and obviously distributes the ball as well, he's just the perfect holding midfielder in that regard for City. So, uh, yes, Rodri sixth. Kane had snuck up to seven just because of that second half of the season. Um, I think you'd, if it, if the season started in January, he'd be a player of the season candidate. No, no question. Obviously, you it are overlooking. Started in August. It didn't exactly. Yeah, no. Which is why he's seventh and not third. I don't know. Um, 
but it is uh, it is Joel Matip who who gets the eighth spot in our ratings. I think he's been, I think he's generally since he's since he signed for Liverpool, he's been really underrated. I love the way. Like, I don't think there's a better centre back at bringing the ball out, like at sort of breaking those lines, bringing the ball out, uh, and just a very solid, dependable defender as well. And obviously, he's the sort of unsung hero alongside alongside uh, Virgil Van Dijk for good reason because he's maybe less glamorous, less less powerful, uh, steals less focus. But I just think you need that foil for that sort of player, uh, and he's he's the perfect one. And obviously, they've got Canate now, who's maybe a more natural sort of replacement, long-term replacement for Van Dyke than actually um, yeah. Matip. But I do think it does look like, at least for, for the time being, that Canate is being played in the bigger games now uh, alongside Van Dyke, which is harsh on Matip, but it'll be interesting to see how they sort of manage that next season. Obviously, they've got Joe Gomez as well, who I think may be off. We'll see. But yeah, I just wanted to touch on the Premier League candidates because I found, well... One of them in particular, quite bizarre. I, I think Jared Bowen is fair enough. It had a, has had a really, really good season. I actually quite like that pick. And obviously, it is nice to have players that aren't in the sort of top two, three teams yeah. and, and recognise yeah. their achievements in a in a sort of lesser side. So I'm all for that. Um, Saka, I think, is an odd one. Maybe a bit of English bias there. Obviously, a really likeable character, which might come into the, the James Ward-Prowse consideration as well maybe that sort of side comes into a bit in those sort of nominees but he's been quite streaky had a, obviously had a tough start to the season post Euros yeah. understandably so uh, then sort of really hit the ground running after that but these last sort of this last month or so has sort of fallen away as Arsenal mm. have so I, I don't think he's 33rd in our ranking so it doesn't come close uh, and James Ward-Prowse is, is 37th uh, and I, really, I just cannot understand that one at all. I mean, we touched on it before. Like, I love, I like James Ward-Prowse a lot, and Villa obviously tried to sign. I'd, I'd have loved to have signed him. Um, nine goals and five assists this season, but it is those set pieces. Only one goal from open play, only two assists from open play. Set pieces count, but in general play, does he really deserve to be in that picture? I, don't I think that's a really tough tough case to make his mm. tackles have actually dropped massively as well he's, he's actually been dribbled past more than he's made tackles this season and Southampton have, have struggled I think in that midfield area in general it's actually his lowest who scored rating for three years <laughs> so he's, yeah. he's actually regressed yeah. year on year over the last three years so it's just a weird time for him to be recognised in that regard he's, he's our 12th highest rated central midfielder this season let alone player so the top four are all Man City. So Gundogan is actually fourth, which shows the depth that they've got. John McGinn is the highest rated central midfielder that yeah. isn't a Man City player in our ratings. Uh, he's had a really underrated season, just does everything. Uh, the other players ahead of him, Hoiberg, Gallagher, Thiago, Rice, Kovacic, Basuma, all ahead of Ward-Prowse in our ratings. So, yeah, just as soon as I saw that, I was like, what, what's happened then? <laughs> Who's he paid for that one? Maybe it doesn't really matter because he's not going to win it, but... Just, just wanted to flag how. But it's, how it's still a reward for your season. So I think if you were, yeah. you know, if a you're top a player, player exactly, yeah. and you see that you're like, well, like you yeah. know, you you work hard, you play well, you you try your best to be able to be even just in that list. Yeah, the finalist. I think particularly mean. Rice and Rodri who play yeah. this well, the same position. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think yeah. Rice did Rice come second or third in the football writers player third, of the year. Yeah. Third, third yeah. Was, yeah. So to not be in the eight nominees for, I know yeah, it's crazy. It is, curious 
Yeah, is, I mean, some of the, the people voting for that, they must have only watched Match of the Day, then they're just seen Ward Price's weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, that, I'm, I'm really surprised. I'm surprised at that myself. I haven't watched loads of Southampton. But I'm, surprised, I'm surprised those numbers from Ward Price, certainly. I'm excited for this next bit now. We've got the not the top four team of the season. That had to be explained to me properly before we get <laughs> of the stick with it. Right. Who scored the team? Well, they're actually, let's do it a different way. Who? What formation have you both gone for? If we've all gone for the same, this will work. Four three three for me. Yeah, four three three. Do it one player at a time. A goalkeeper then. Who scored statistical goalkeeper? I think I know who it is because you've kind of touched on him already. Probably the same as the goalkeeper I've gone for that I didn't want to go for, but couldn't think of anyone else. Who is it, Martin? It isn't anyone that I've mentioned so far. Uh, to the so it has it has chopped and changed so much in that extent, and those those two. So obviously Ramsdale and, and Saar have dropped off to to such a degree uh, that it's actually David Raya of Brentford. I decided that he hadn't played enough games. Yeah, yeah. but I, th- I think a lot has been made, and rightly so, a lot has been made of Ericsson's impact. But in that, sort of Raya's absence from the team and his comeback has really, really been overlooked. So I looked at his sort of their with-without record, with and without Raya, uh, 21% win rate without him in 14 games doubles uh, to 43.5 with him in 23 games. Uh, their their loss rate doubles as well when he's not playing and they concede almost twice as many goals. So he's had a, he's had an absolutely massive impact uh, on, on their season because they looked like they were heading down the slippery slope before, like before Ericsson came in. But like I said, he has sort of overshadowed Raya's impact uh, in that overhaul. Uh, of their sort of season, so yeah, he's he's come in, and I'm I'm happy with that. I'm having him as well. I, I, if, if you're happy, <laughs> you just change your. That was not on your list. I wanted him, but I decided miss too many games. I couldn't have him. But if who scores algorithms put him in, and who am I? I'm happy him in as well. So unlucky, Jersey Star. You're done. If you come for Julian. I put Ramsdale, I know, and, and rightly, Martin explained earlier, that it's true that the form has dipped a little bit after the injury, especially, and, and Arsenal have struggled collectively. But still, coming from where he was to this team, such a young age, and show all that leadership, the qualities, again, the safe way at Leicester, for example, on that free kick yeah. was just out of this world. So I think even if the end is not as good as the, the, the first half of the season, I still think he deserves a shot. Yeah. Let's hope he's watching. Yeah, well, I was glad he decided to watch the week. I said something questionable about him. That was that was really pain. <laughs> what I say is from Aaron Ramsdale, unbelievable <laughs> goalkeeper, England's future, and all that jazz. Definitely. Right, 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 right back or right wing back then. Julian, who have you gone for? I went for Tino Livramento. So, of course, there's the injury that has cut short his season a little bit. But I was, again, very impressed for someone who, where he was, imagine, last season. You know, someone who, who dis- was discovering that league uh, to have such an impact, even if at times he was playing as a wing-back. I think he's very, very impressive. I find him so strong, so clever with the ball, which I like. There's still a lot of progress to be made. But yeah, I think, it, it, again, he deserves to be in that team. I think we might be shaking hands on this one as well, Dan. Uh, we got Matty, Matty Cash. Oh, that's biased. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue. He's been Villa's player of the year. You can't, yeah, can't argue that. Villa's supporters player of the season, I would imagine, by quite a distance. I don't think there were a huge amount of candidates for it. This probably says a lot about Villa's season, but he has come up, come on a, a great deal in both aspects of the game, like in, in the defensive and the attacking side of the game, I think. 
this season. Certainly the defence, actually, arguably more than the attack side. I think certainly in the box, sort of last-ditch blocks, tackles, yeah. he's been outstanding. Um, so, yeah, it's Matty Cash for us, but it is a, it is a close-run thing. There are quite a few fullbacks who are sort of very close in our ratings, but Matty Cash just said, is it? Yeah, becoming an international footballer as well, hasn't he? For Poland, yeah. very likeable character. The Polish Cafu, yeah. yeah. He's had a great season, Matty Cash, really, really good fullback and be Villa's right-back for a number of years. Centre-back pairing, I had one that I thought was a no-brainer, and then mm. I couldn't, I'm not convinced myself by who I picked to partner him. So, right centre-back, I've gone for Pontus Janssen. I just couldn't. Yeah. I just think he's led Brentford to a, a very respectful finish. Respectable yeah. finish, sorry. And, you know, he's the captain. He's he's been When Brentford have been good, he's been good. I, I, I was never convinced he was a Premier League player when he, when he was playing in the Championship. He's made the step up. He's done very well for, for them. So I've gone for him alongside Gabriel for Arsenal, who I think when he's not there for Arsenal, you really notice a difference to, to their defence. So, yeah, that's my centre-back pairing. Julian, who have you gone for? So I went for Dan Byrne because I was very impressed with what he did at Newcastle and I thought he was very good at Brighton before. Yeah, anyway, that's well. epic. Yeah. So, and then the second one, it was between Conor Cody and, and Gabriel. And I know Wolves have been on the beach for a few weeks now. So, <laughs> it's, you know, the Bahamas is lovely, better than, than uh, the Midlands. No, no offence, no offence. You just don't have the beaches that they have in Bahamas. That's, that's, no. that's what I meant. Um, so I know the again the end of the season, but I just I, there's a lot of things I like about Cody, even if he's again in the back three and our team is in the back four. But I think Gabriel has had a good season. He still makes mistakes and he's still a little bit raw, you know, as much as I love him. But yeah, I went for Burn and Cody. So in our system, it's actually the other Brentford centre back, uh, Ethan Pinnock, uh, who's who's our sort of I think he's no, he is the second top rated of the two. Uh, so he Jansen right writing was if you've got that in front of you, if you haven't done worry. It'd be weird if I had that in front of me, wouldn't it? Like, it's just well, I'd randomly got Pontus Janssen. I thought you'd have preempted it based on my pick and then knowing what was coming for you. You oh, all over that really. You overestimate me then. Uh, his rating is a fair bit behind. I don't know where he ranks, but a fair bit behind Pinnix. Right. Basically, it's a bad choice. Your yeah, choice. Basically, <laughs> we listened to you and we nodded. And I think the, the viewers would do the same, but no. He passes, passes the eye test to Pontus Janssen. That's what it's all about. The eye yeah, test. You like yeah. the tattoos. That's what you like. Yeah. No, so we've got Pinnock and uh, partnering him, uh, who gets gets good ratings from us every season, really. Uh, for good reason, I'd say, is James Tarkovsky. Um, just a really solid, solid centre-back. And Burnley, uh, regardless of if they stay up, he's, he's going to be off. And that is a big, big problem for them. The one thing I would say, actually, though, is Nathan Collins has, has played really well. Yeah, uh, when he's coming, and he's there. he's only twenty one as well. So, and they do have a, a sort of ready made replacement, but Ben Mee's what forty eight or something. So yeah. they're in a little bit of trouble. Um, so yeah, Tarkovsky and Pinnock is the who scored pairing. Fair enough. Left back, Cucurella at Brighton. I think I was standing again. Time. I know he's played mostly as a as a left wing back at times, but he's played as a left centre back too. I think the guy can do mm. everything despite being three foot five. Uh, have you know, funny hair and funny name. I just think he's an amazing talent, which for the people who watch La Liga like us as well, it was pretty obvious last season that he was a very good player already. Mm. And even before that, when he was at Barcelona in the youth teams and all of that, but to transitions almost from a left winger, which what it was at the time, like certainly at the start of his career, to, to what Potter has made of him this season, I think is, is fantastic. He might have maybe Martin the most tackles in the league or something like that, or not far. Uh, there's, there's... I'm not sure. Not There's sure something he's most. outstanding out. 
Well, <laughs> he's like really high for mind. he's really high for key passes from open play. I think he's in the top ten, oh, yeah, that's, and, that's and for passes is, yeah. into the, into the opposition box as well. I think like, so. He has a real impact. Yeah, uh, you know, he's had a really interesting like early start to his career as well. Obviously, he touched on comfort at Barcelona, then to go to the anti Barcelona of Hatafe. Oh, really? yeah. You've just been schooled in two completely different things, like the beauty of the game and then the dark arts of the game, <laughs> yeah. uh, and obviously like brought that together obviously Brighton play a really nice brand of football so that's that's sort of taught him really well I think and mm. if it were if it was me picking the team I would go for him but uh the who scored team uh is actually we talked about him last week it's Ryan Aitnuri who's who's had a really yeah. really good yeah. season as well but yeah it's a close one between those two now I assume we've all got the same holding midfielder Declan yeah. right uh, yes yeah <laughs> Well, this yeah. podcast and last podcast, we wax lyrical about him as well. Martin, who, who scored gone for in front of him in the midfield? The two eights. Uh, so one of them is John McGinn. Touched him in earlier. Um, he's he's our fifth highest rated centre uh, central midfielder this season. Like I said, he, he can he can just do everything really. Uh, he's like any team would uh, the, the fans are going to buy it. Like would love to have him just because he's he's just everywhere. I think he's he's sort of controlled his game a little bit more this season. Like before the before that, he's a bit bull in a china shop, and he still is from time to time. I missed miss the bull in the china shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think he I think he looks more measured this season. His passing's probably improved because everything's a little bit less hectic. But he's he's second for tackles. He's one of only two players with a hundred or more tackles this season. So that's that's gone up like that. Defensive side of his game's gone up massively. He's been really unlucky not to have more goals. Like he's got like, right. even last even last night that that save from Nick Pope. Was outrageous. Like a few saves from Nick Pope last night were yeah. outrageous, but he's got a hell of like such a good technique on him in, in terms of his long shooting, particularly his volleying. So yeah, we got John McGinn, uh, who I think's had an underrated season, and then the other one, uh, another player. I think you, you see this with a lot of players. The elite players sort of can string together a whole season or much of a season. Younger players maybe struggle, uh, and that's been the case for Conor Gallagher. But his sort of first half of the season has sort of just about kept him in our team so that's our midfield three of Gallagher Rice and McGinn good old British midfield yeah I love that <laughs> mine's all British too but take out McGinn for Jacob Ramsey who we covered last week because he obviously Julian wanted him to be the, the young player of the year so I've gone for Jacob Ramsey over, over McGinn just a real breakout season for him scored mm-hmm. six goals I just think he's he, the way he carried the ball again last night. He's close control and running with the ball at pace is incredible, actually, and he's only going to get better. So I think for a breakthrough season point of view, I'd put Ramsey in there with Gallagher with Rice behind. Julian? So I've got Rice, yeah. I went for McGinn simply because I can't. it can't be the Jack and Ramsey show every week, I thought. So, you know, this time it was another Aston Villa player. So I love John McGinn. And then my third one is Martin Odegaard because I think I think he is created, he's among the players who created the most chances since November or something like that mm-hmm. after he settled down pro- properly. And and I think even if, again, like Arsenal, he's, he's deep, his, his form has dipped a little bit towards the end. I just, I just love watching play i think that intelligence the awareness around him of space and movement and everything is just pretty incredible so yeah i went for i went for him because as you know dan if you're fifth that means you're not in the top four which then you can be in the, in the team because clearly you had you had interrogations about can Arsenal players be in the team so it's you know you know what though if a miracle happens and Arsenal finish top four and Spurs finish fifth, <laughs> we'll be out of date next week that was the, what i wanted clarification on fair enough 
Fourth isn't mathematically decided, so I was just clarifying. <laughs> okay. <I wasn't> even... <laughs> but you did say, can we have Arsenal and Man United players? Uh, I mean, I don't know why I was asking for Man United players. <laughs> anywhere near getting into, into, into the game. Yeah, I was just clarifying the, the point. I think, every, I think the, the viewers will know what I was, what I was getting at. Mm, yes, I hope so. Uh, front three, then, uh, like, like we said earlier, trying to pick a striker, absolutely impossible. What who scored gone with for the front three? Well, the striker, obviously, we mentioned him. Uh, it's, it's Ivan Tony uh, in our system. Uh, like you say, he's, he's hit double figures for goals. Again, he's he's been patchy, uh, decent start, and then obviously has got much better since since Ericsson arrived. But his, his hold-up play and his general link-up play is, is really, really strong. Uh, he's, he's an intelligent player as well as a sort of target man. So he's got a bit of both about him. Uh, there's room for improvement, but yeah, he's, he's he leads the line for us. The right wing, I, I would imagine we've maybe all got the same. Um, Jared Bowen, double figures for goals and assists. No, we haven't all got the same. Jared Bowen doesn't make the team. No, he does. Ooh, he does in my Oh, yeah. on the left. On the other side. Where he's never played. Oh. Um, I know, but it doesn't matter. I wanted him and Saka, so oh. someone, something has to but give. Saka so on the left. Saka, Saka on the left, I reckon, okay. in that yeah. case. He's, he's played there. Bowen doesn't play. Yeah, there. true, true. Bowen's all left foot, isn't he? He's just cut inside, man. No, he's very both. I think Bowen's very both footed. I can never work out what foot Bowen is when he plays. He's left footed. <laughs> I bet if you went on football manager, he'd be proficient with both feet, Martin. Okay, if you say so. Uh, but yeah, no, so we got Bowen on the right, where he should be. Uh, Ivan Tony up front, and we've got Alan St. Maximan uh, on the left. I love oh, Alan St. Maximan. love that. I, I, I love watching him play. He's just a, he's a complete maverick. And obviously, he's carried he carried Newcastle for quite a long time. Mm. Obviously, they've got a lot more star quality now around him, um, particularly in Gamarish. But. Um, but yeah, he's just a just a great player to watch. He can be he's, he can be inconsistent, but when he's on it, he's just unreal. Oh, I love how the algorithms come up with that one. Do you get do you get points for pointless stepovers? <laughs> <laughs> he's the, the, the thing is, Alan Maxman, he might not have the same end product, but he's a threat in pretty much every single game. Whereas Saka can blow hot and cold, in my opinion. Oh, the end product isn't always there, but sure, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I, I'd rather watch some Maxman. Yeah, you'd rather watch. I wouldn't him. rather have him, but I'd rather watch him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have come up with the maximum. A lot, well, yeah, a, a, a huge amount of dribbles, which which helps. Uh, yeah. And his chance creation is is better than people would expect. Okay. And like I said, he's just a he's a live wire every, every single game. One of the one of the last players that any defender will want to face in the Premier League is Alan Saint-Maximin. Julian, who have you gone for in your front row? So I went for Bowen and Saka on both wings, and they can they can rotate, and one goes on the right and one on the left. So Martin is happy that they all have a go at you know on the right hand <laughs> so side. Bridget does Martin. <laughs> and then my centre forward is after a lot of thought and time and debate, uh, internal debates. Uh, I went for Cristiano. Uh, one because I don't want to get abused, and you can get the abuse, you too. Uh, and and we can always debate how good he's been collectively for the team yeah. and the lack of running and pressing, of course. But I still think in terms of finishing, I, I just this is the greatest finisher of all time in the game. And for for him to come back at his age in the Premier League and still score that many goals, some really important ones, you know, the hat tricks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I still think is an incredible achievement in a team with, well, I was going to say no managers, well, managers, but not really managers, if you see what I mean. So yeah, I think he deserves a shot, and I put him in the team. I mean, they'd be in the relegation dogfight without Cristiano. 
potentially. So mm. Probably a mm. fair bit, really. I, I couldn't. I couldn't disagree more with that. But then. <laughs> yeah, no. were they in a relegation dogfight last season, or did they finish yeah, second? Well, you take away his dog, he's a Martin. They've been big. It's not really how football works. They probably play someone else. I imagine. Exactly. <laughs> but his goals were still important. Yeah. No. I from an individual perspective, which is what this is, because you're picking individuals within a combined team. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's right. perfectly fair. You're not going to lie my front throw. No, I don't like your whole team, Dan. Right wing, I've gone for Saka. Yeah. Okay. Which is a fair pick. Left wing, man's mm. more of a hybrid left wing slash 10. I've gone for Ericsson. Okay. I wanted to put Ericsson in. And then I've gone for Bowen as my striker. Because I just, there's just not. There's just not the number nines there. I, pre- I prefer Bowen as a striker than a left there. winger, personally. I prefer that. <laughs> yeah. He has played there. He's played there. Yeah, he's played there. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. close to putting Trossard in my team. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah well, I really yeah. like the end of the front. Put him on the left. No, no, I want Instead of putting a, a pure 10 on the left, you could put an actual left winger on the left. Just yeah. an idea. Just an idea. I mean, no, just no, imagine no. Ericsson's face when you, as a manager, said to him, <laughs> "Okay, Christian, today you're gonna just stick to the touchline on the left hand side, right?" He'll float. He'll float. Oh, okay, 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 okay. He'll float. We can even play as two tens behind Bowen because I think Saka could play as a ten as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going for that. Let us know in the comments whose team you think is best and why. Why is it not? Why is it not mine? Because yeah, I don't think mine is going to get picked at all. <laughs> right then, it is of course the final day of the Premier League season. Plenty of jeopardy still going into the Sunday 4 p.m. games. Technically, not anything is really decided. Martin, which game do you yeah. think is the most interesting of all the ten that are on Sunday? It's a strange one, isn't it? Because it. Everything, nothing's decided, like you say, but also there's a sense of sort of feels quite underwhelming at the same time. First time in the Premier League era where the title, top four, top six and relegation are not decided, which sounds like this is going to be the best final day ever, doesn't it? But it might be. Just, so it could it could be. Yeah, it but could there's be. Just some, some things have gone against it a little bit where you'd, you'd want them to sort of set up a, a, a bigger finish in terms of what I like the game that games or game or race that I will be sort of most interested interested in and I think it's probably one that people will overlook is is the battle for that sixth place I'm really intrigued as to what like because I've got full confidence that Man United lose at Crystal Palace personally and it's just a case of whether West Ham can beat Brighton and we'll come on to it and that's a really really tough game mm. but I just think that's massive for both teams like if Man United finishing the conference league that does that's affect amazing. their ability to to pull in players and same for West Ham almost on the flip side if they finish Europa League maybe Declan Rice stays uh, and if they finish conference league maybe he doesn't so I think that's that's while the Europa League isn't obviously the biggest, it's probably the smallest of the four things that need to be decided. For those two teams, I think that's massive. So I'm really interested in, in that sort of battle. You'll be watching Manchester City v Villa though, won't you? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I will also be watching Manchester City v Villa, but I have not picked that as the most interesting game. I've gone Brentford Leeds. Yeah. I think that'll be a, I think that'll be a crowd. I think Brentford will want to get one over Leeds. They'll, they'll want to send them down. There's all these videos emerging of, of the Leeds fans taking the mick out of Thomas Frank. I think Brentford will take immense satisfaction of sending Leeds down. Leeds obviously need to pick something up. So I've mm. gone for that one. Julian? 
So I will be at City uh, Villa, but I'll have, I'll have the screen to watch the rest. No, so much, <laughs> no, no I, I, but, but the City Villa and, and the, the Liverpool Wolves are fascinating, even if I don't think I don't think City would drop points against you guys. So they will be champions. No, I went for the I went for the Norwich Spurs game because since I moved in this country 18 years ago now, the the word Spursy was taught to me at quite an early age, an early stage. <laughs> In my uh, in my residency here, and I've, through the years I've looked and I think that if they really bottle this one, which I don't think they will, I think they will win or even maybe draw, which would be enough to draw uh, away. So it's, it's a bit different, but um, I don't think they will bottle this one. But if they did, if they really be, be amazing, I mean this would be this would be the biggest spursiness of all time. Uh, again, <laughs> I think Conte and the players have this now. They they come from afar. To catch up with Arsenal, overtake them. The derby was big, blah blah blah. Everything we've mentioned already on the show. But yeah, so I went for Norwich Spurs. Part of me wanting a Spursiness, but the other part knowing that it, it surely won't happen. It can't happen. I tell, I tell you what, superb podcasting. Not communicated with each other before, but all picked a different game there. Yeah, lovely yeah, stuff. That is, that is podcasting of the highest order and the highest <laughs> quality. Let's look at the title race then. Julian, is there anything Liverpool can cling on to heading into the last day? Yeah, no, there, there, there always is. Uh, you know, I think Villa, as they show against Liverpool, for example, certainly at the start of the game, uh, even if that was at Villa Park, can cause problem if you play with a lot of intensity. And and I think, well, I mean, you don't have to go at City and leave a lot of space. You can play with a high intensity, but but keeping your block really tight and cause them problems like that because they, they will have nowhere to go. I still think City in that position uh, are ruthless, usually. Uh, we saw that against Brighton three years ago, for example, in a similar position. Uh, we saw that 10 years ago, even against QPR, with a different manager and different time and different players and different era, etc. But I, I, yeah, I, I think it'd be very hard for Villa to get anything out of that game. But if they did, which, again, everything is possible always, then I think Liverpool have to believe and have to do their job, which I think they will against Wolves. And then and then wait and see. Villa have lost ten in a row. Etihad Martin conceding yep. twenty five goals, scoring only four. Conceded thirty five goals, not twenty five. Is it? Jeez, they've also lost all nine of their games against the top five so far this season, which is really really disappointing. Like one of the big disappointments. Like every season for a fan of a club like Villa, you want one get you want a big win, don't you? And you haven't even had a big draw. So, so yeah, that's that's been a real disappointment. And yeah, maybe they're saving it for in style. I'm maybe, yeah, this, this would be the ultimate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Five nil. It would, it would, yeah. But yeah, it's it's difficult to see. I, I like for Liverpool in terms of what they can cling on to, in terms of what's in their hands, I think it's a good fixture for them. Obviously, Julian mentioned. Wolves have sort of checked out for the season. It was interesting that Conor Cody, after they sort of got that late equaliser against Chelsea, he said after that game that they were they were quite angered by the fact that people said that they checked. I always think if you're quite angered by it, you probably have subconsciously switched off yeah, a little bit. Exactly. Otherwise, it wouldn't really upset you that much. How did they know? We already booked the holidays. Yeah, they went straight back to the beach after that Chelsea game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's a they're, they're six without a win, which is a, only Watford are on a longer sort of winless streak. So it's a pretty good game for Liverpool. They've won ten in a row in the league, I think, against Wolves as well. So pretty good game for them, but uh, it's not a good game for them at the Etihad. I don't think as much as I'd love a, an upset. Uh, Liverpool fans, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
not happening. I just, I just don't <laughs> see it happening. So, are we all predicting Manchester City to win the league then? Yes. Yeah. Not such good podcasting. That one. No one can. <laughs> no one can crazy shouts there. Top four then. I get. I think feel like this one may go the same way. <laughs> Arsenal. Any hope at all, Julian? Just give them something. No, I think if 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 Spurs had to win, so a draw would not be enough for Spurs to to clinch yeah. that fourth place. Then then maybe pressure, we should say, yeah. yeah, pressure playing against a low block. We saw against Burnley that they really struggle at times. That kind of stuff. But now even you know even a draw is enough. So I think Arsenal had their chance and lack of experience probably struggled with the pressure for sure both against Newcastle and, and against Spurs. And even before that, I guess, to a certain extent, Southampton, Brighton, those defeats, costly. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think this one will happen. So Spurs fourth and Arsenal fifth. Arsenal players slumped on the floor after the Newcastle game mid- midweight, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only plus is that Everton may still be drunk. So that's probably a... There will be, a, yeah. Yeah, probably a plus point for Arsenal. But even their record against Everton's poor. They've lost their last three in the league against Everton. Only won one of the last six. So in that respect, it doesn't look like a great fixture. The the win last night for Everton is probably a really good thing for Arsenal. Uh, so that's a, that's a plus. Tottenham's record at Carrow Road is actually quite bad. <laughs> uh, they've only won one of their last five at Carrow Road. Um, Norwich, obviously, this season may be a little bit different. It's a nice story for us, at least, Dan. That the first meeting that we ever ha- had about Edge of the Box, well, meeting was a pick up. Uh, <laughs> the first night out that we ever had, uh, Tottenham Norwich was on the TV in the I cup, remember. and it was the game that Eric Dyer went into the oh, stands yeah, after they lost the penalty shootout. So maybe we're going to come around full circle, and, and like Julian says, Tottenham are going to go ultimate Spursy, but I can't see it. Tottenham no. for fourth. Yeah. No, not happening. Spurs for congratulations, Antonio Conte. He's done a fantastic job there. Top six we've kind of already covered. You think it's going to be West Ham, Martin? Yes, I'm going to go with yes. I, I think I think Man United will lose. They could even draw in West, if West Ham win. Uh, then obviously it's West Ham because they've got the better goal difference, I believe. Um, Manu have lost five in a row away from home. Conceded five more goals over the last six away games than any other team. Eighteen goals over the last six away games. Uh, on the flip side, Palace are unbeaten in five at home. They've kept four clean sheets in a row at home, including against Man City and Arsenal. So I've got full confidence that, that Palace will get some sort of result against Man U. It's just that West Ham-Brighton game. It's a really, really tough fixture. Uh, bizarrely, the last six meetings between them have all ended in draws, which wouldn't be enough for West Ham. I think it does show that the two two teams are quite similar in terms of quality at times. Um the, one, the plus for, for West Ham, Brighton are poor at home. Fourth worst at uh, home record, I should say, this season. Um, but they've only lost one of their last eight, and that was against Man City. So it's a really, really tough game. Mm-hmm. They've obviously got a lot more to play for, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of bank on that and, and say West Ham maybe edge it. And yeah, if they get sixth, I think that's, that's huge. So yeah, yeah I'm going to go West Ham. They'll want to be back in the Europa League and go one better next season and get, get exactly, the yeah. Knowing that they can go the distance is quite a big thing. So they'll they'll go into it thinking, yeah, we can we can definitely win this thing. United have a good difference of plus one, which I found ridiculous. Like plus one after thirty-seven games in the Premier League with the team, the squad that they have, is just mental. And I think just Mm. for that, they don't deserve to be in the top six. (laughs) 
which is, uh, this is this is so bad. This is a team that is maybe 14 that you can expect. Okay, they've they've scored a few. They conceded a lot as well. So okay, plus yeah. one. But plus one we, when you're six right now in the Premier League with the players that you have is ridiculous. Yeah, plus, we've said it before that it was never. <laughs> we've said it before that Man United being sort of in the European place is actually quite embarrassing oh, for, the, for the rest of the league. It is. It's been that bad. It is. Um, they finished top six. DMA yeah. football. That's and Eric Ten Hag will be at the game at, um, at Crystal Palace. I mean, imagine, imagine he sat there and they lose like three nil or four nil, like like they did at Brighton. And you just the camera would be on him the whole time. Obviously, you can imagine. Yeah. It would just be lovely to see his face and go like, oh, yeah. wow, yeah. That? yeah. I might still have time to. Crystal Palace part from the hardest places to go. Man, you've got zero yeah. backburn. So Crystal Palace will turn Man U over. I've, I've, I've very little doubt in that. And I do think West Ham will go to go to Brighton and, and, and get that win to, to end the season. Mark Noble will probably come on to see the game out for the last 10-15 minutes as well. Yeah. Relegation then. Who do we think is going down? Julian, I'll, I'll come to you. Everton now obviously safe after their Thursday night heroics. Will it be Burnley or will it be Leeds that drop? Um, I don't really have a pref. I mean, a, yeah, I guess Leeds maybe. I just, I just liked a lot what Bielsa did, and maybe it was the right call to sack him. Maybe, maybe not. We will never know, of course. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with with Jesse Marsh. Uh, I still think it's very early to judge to judge him after what he did, and and he needs a bit, he needs a bit more time. I was very not impressed, not impressed at all by what he did at Leipzig. But this is a very different environment and and a different story. Um. I think Burnley, first of all, playing at home is a huge advantage in a game in a game like this, and also the fact that they're one point ahead. And for Leeds to go away to Brentford, when you know, as we said, Brentford have been so good lately. I I struggle for Leeds. Unfortunately, Leeds fans, I'm sorry, but I think you'll be the one to go down. Brentford are going to be up for that, as I, as I mentioned yeah. earlier, Martin. And Leeds, if you're a Leeds fan, you've waited so long to get back into the Premier League. You finished comfortable in the Premier League last season, you'll just be thinking, how has this happened? How are we in this position? A lot of people would would have said that will come. <laughs> it usually does under Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, yeah. there, there, there's a, there comes to a point where things just fall off a cliff a little bit and it gets a bit too chaotic. And that's certainly what happened. Uh, like, like Julian says, I think it's early to judge Marsh. I think he's done a decent job. If you look at their last, I think it's their last nine games, they've only lost to... City, Chelsea and Arsenal. So the games that you would expect them to lose, they've lost. And the games where maybe it's up in the air, they've got a result of some kind. So personally, I think Leeds may well get a point. It's just a case of whether obviously they'd need Burnley to lose to Newcastle, which I could definitely see. Uh, I think Newcastle will be riding on a bit of a high. Obviously, they're not at home and they're nowhere nowhere near as good away from home uh, recently. But I think the, the manner of that performance against Arsenal where they actually played. Uh, a lot has been made of, obviously, Newcastle mm. getting results, but they have been a counter-attacking team, defended very well, but they played against Arsenal and they played really well. So they'll look to carry that into this game against Burnley, who will probably sit like they, they had six defenders on the pitch against Aston Villa. You can kind of understand why, but yeah, I I might lean towards Leeds staying up in this one. I, I personally think, I think they can get a point at Brentford, and that might be enough. It's really, really tight, isn't it? Like, incredibly hard to call. I think that point for Burnley last night at Villa Park was massive because I think yeah, Burnley lose at the weekend. I think that point will be the most crucial thing that could happen to Burnley. That, that Nick Pope save against yeah. the, the trail ahead yeah. of the yeah. Nick Pope save. Yeah. That's, yeah. I just think that's enough. Yeah. 
and then they go miss the the Martinez cool. save on Veghorst. A bit like Ryan Kane we saw against Frankfurt, oh, or yeah. even in the in the Championship semi-final playoff, the Brice Samba save on NDI. Those yeah. saves just changed yeah. the whole the whole season pretty much because mm-hmm. at Veghorst two goals scored, they would mm-hmm. pretty much be safe now mm-hmm. uh, without that save. So those moments it's just you know for such a long game and an incredible season just come down to that few millimeters that if it, it hit it better yeah, it yeah. would have scored and like the others it would change the whole thing it's a great block from Mings I think, oh, I think yeah, yeah. yeah. unreal great block though and Mings get Mings gets dogs abuse from Leeds as well every every we get dogs abuse from a lot of teams but from Leeds in particular he could have could have kept them up <laughs> so yeah. if he does they need to send him a thank you card that's for yeah. sure so who's going to go then, Martin? Who do you think? I've I've, I've gone for Leeds. I'm going to go Burnley. Burnley, yeah, Burnley. Julian, it rests with Leeds. you. Yeah, nice to have a bit of difference on one, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Although we've we've actually got a combined eleven, haven't we, Martin? You've put one together, or we're not doing that? So yeah, I can run through it quickly. We've got. I'm not interested in this. <laughs> we've got a, a sort of relegated slash relegation candidates combined eleven. It was going to be a combined eleven of the three teams that could have gone down, but Everton are now safe. So we've included Norwich and Watford. No point including Norwich, to be honest, because there's no players from Norwich <laughs> in there, as you might no expect. But no Billy Gilmore, no. But it's it's uh, sort of a, a mixture of players that could well stay in the Premier League, even if their clubs go down. There are there are players in, in all the teams, obviously, that, that would get picked up. Nick Pope is the goalkeeper, like, like last night. Um, unbelievable. Like, I think he's he's got a genuine case for maybe being the one if not the best shot stopper in the league, certainly one of them. He's, his all-round game maybe isn't the modern goalkeeper, but an incredible shot stopper. Like He just has those games where once he makes two or three saves, you know he's going to make eight or nine. He's like, he just, yeah, yeah. He just, just yeah. has a sort of confidence about him. So it's Pope in goal. The back four of Dallas, Collins, as we mentioned, and Tarkovsky is the pairing. I think Collins could be a good pickup if, if Burnley do go down. Uh uh, Hassan Kamara is the left yeah. back. He got Watford's player of the season, <laughs> having joined in January. Got Watford's player of the season. Uh, has had a has had a good really good, good impact, impact with with very little reward <laughs> from Watford's side. But he's been a, proved to be a good signing. Uh, the midfield three is Sissoko, Brownhill, friend of the show, Josh Brownhill, mm. better than Thiago, yeah. uh, and um, Calvin Phillips. Uh, is at the anchor of that. He'll be one that will be very in demand, obviously. Uh, he has actually, like, I know he's been injured for a lot of it, but start of the season, he was pretty poor. Like a lot of England players, had a bit of a hangover from the Euros. Played the first sort of dozen games, I think, and was quite poor. And obviously hasn't had a huge impact since he's returned. So his rating's actually quite poor, but still gets himself into this team, which says a lot about the uh, the competition. But yeah, he'll he'll be the big one, I think, if 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 these if leads do go down. Who's going to get Calvin Phillips will be the the big sort of transfer of the summer in terms of those relegated teams. Uh, and then the front three, Rafinha, I think, would be off to Barcelona, uh, potentially. Uh, Dwight McNeil, who we mentioned last week on the left, and then Emmanuel Dennis up front. So a team that could probably finish about 15th. I think, go down. I think that team would go down. <laughs> you think they'd go down as well? Go down. Yeah, I had uh, Maxwell Corner in my team. Mm-hmm. 
ahead of McNeil simply for the goals. I think he scored nine yeah. uh, or something like that. And and I was very impressed at times when with his impact, especially he had that, we mentioned it before, six or eight weeks where it was incredible. Like everything he was hitting was going in and, mm. and kind of stuff. Uh, and then I put Melier in goal simply because he's French and I, I need, to, I, you know, I have to have the French guy in the team. Otherwise... Can't have an 11 with no Frenchman. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we also, got Sissoko. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. you have to so cool. I think Melier is amazing. It's just that it's open doors, you know, defensively. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy can make seven saves. Well, hide into nothing, yeah. Yeah, so, but for the rest, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. We've got a bet boost then for everything that's going on on the final day, Martin. Yeah, so obviously I didn't know what you guys were going to predict. So I could only really do it based on who scored's predictions. Uh, so there's one difference to you guys. Uh, what we have included, we tacked on, is the golden boot. Uh, and it's obviously between Salah and Son. Son up against Norwich. You'd have to fancy him to score. Salah. What he made? Or one. one to tie. Um, Ooh, I'm not sure. Does it go to the most assists if it's a tie? Because if it did, that would be Salah. Was, I should have. He should be without Salah. pens, no? Then. I would say yeah, that. And that would be Son. Won't be that, so that's what he should be. Yeah, yeah it should be. Um, but yeah, so Son, to, you could easily see him getting two, couldn't you, to be honest, at Norwich. Yeah. Um, Salah will want to play for sure we we'll definitely want to play for that reason but yeah. here's a doubt is a doubt so up in the air whether he starts i think he probably will but a tougher game in general against a wall side who might have checked out a bit but they are still quite hard to break down uh so we're, we're going for son just to boost that price a little bit so what we've got is man city to win the league tottenham to finish fourth west ham to finish sixth so we've got burnley to go down and son um, to get the golden boot, uh, the price uh, is was around the thirty to one mark on that accumulator. Uh, we haven't got the boost in yet, unfortunately, to plug. But we will get a boost on that. Hopefully, we'll get up somewhere towards forty to one. Fingers yeah. crossed. If Bet Victor are being particularly generous, so that's nice. Hopefully, I guys, think you do a few different combinations. Obviously, gamble responsibly. I think you do a few different yeah. combinations because there's a few things that I think will definitely happen in there, and you'd still get good odds. Mm-hmm. On Myself. Yeah, yeah. But I think it'd be a, a that's a nice bet to get involved in, like just everything that can happen on the final day. Yeah. Uh, like Dan says, obviously, do gamble responsibly um, and only bet what you can afford to lose. Lovely. And we've also got pick six, our favourite segment. We have got end. pick six. Let's, let's finish on a high after last week's one out of six. We all agreed last week, and it went to absolute pot. So, yeah, proves how hard football is to predict. But there you go. Really is. I'll run through what it is again. So, pick six. You have to pick six outcomes from, from the weekend on specific markets that BetVictor select. It's free to play, but you do obviously have to be 18 or over. Uh, the winner wins £1,000. So, the matches this week will start with Arsenal against Everton, and the market is the match result. So, home, draw, or away, win. I'm backing Arsenal to win. I just yeah. think Everton... Just party mode. I think there's yeah. not a lot to play for. I think Arsenal will probably get the job done. Too little, too late, I think. I agree. Yeah, go on then. Okay, Arsenal to win. Brentford leads. Again, match result. This is obviously a tough one. So I'll tough. Brentford. We'll go lead. Uh, we'll go draw, sorry. So, up to you, Julian. I would have said Brentford as well. Okay, Brentford it is. Brentford it is. Uh, Burnley-Newcastle again, match result. Again, tough one. I'm going Newcastle. Dan, you said Leeds and Burnley both to lose, didn't you? So, yeah. So Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Burnley. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Newcastle to win. 
Uh, Liverpool Wolves, both teams to score, yes or no? No. No, no. yeah, I'm up for that. Uh, total goals in Norwich Tottenham, 0-1, or 7+. plus. Four six. Four to six. I was gonna say two to three. Not sure. Four to six. I think I yeah. think Spurs go a couple up, they'll just run right up. I think Spurs will get Norwich three. Fans Norwich fans are upset. Yeah. It could be a bit of a poisonous atmosphere there. Yeah, I think Spurs will get three. It's just a case of whether Norwich score. Let's yeah, say I'm gonna go they will. will. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they will. I'm gonna go four to six. Sorry, Jimmy. Okay, I go with you. <laughs> and then Man City Villa. It's over under 3.5. You know, once once City are falling up against you guys, I can see Villa <laughs> scoring almost them saying, oh, okay, oh, you... no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think it might be relatively tight. I think it might end yeah, like 2-0 yeah. maybe. I, I don't, I, I personally agree. don't yeah. think Villa will score. If you go in off last season, Villa kept it very tight for 70 minutes, I think, and then Rodri scored that ridiculous goal that should have been given yeah. up. Rodri's always yeah. good against us, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good in most games, but he scored a couple against Villa. Yeah, I'd say under 3.5. Okay. Yeah, under under 3.5. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Arsenal to win, uh, Brentford to win, Newcastle to win. Both teams to score no in Liverpool Wolves. Uh, four to six goals in Norwich Tottenham and under 3.5 goals in Man City Villa. So, yeah, yeah. if you get all your predictions in, uh, like I said, free to play, £1,000 to the winner. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Obviously, if you're gambling this weekend, gamble responsibly. Yeah. But a nice free-to-play game uh, to just add a little bit more excitement to this weekend's games. As if there wasn't enough already. Exactly. Some of Jeopardy adding pick six into the mix. Exactly. That's a big one, isn't it, really? Yeah. That's a big one. And that's just done for the season. It's been a pleasure to host the Edge of the Box podcast all the way through the season. I think I was ever-present as well. 38 games. Uh, you missed one, I think. George, George stepped in for one. He oh, did. I did miss one. Yeah. I did miss one. I picked myself up and I missed one. So you don't get your perfect appearance record. Nearly. I've made more appearances than I made more appearances than most. Yeah. I would say. I was definitely, yeah. the, definitely the most consistent through the season. Julian's but, probably second on the on the chart now. <laughs> <laughs> probably he's on a he's on a great run against Led. Julian didn't want the season to end. He was on such a good no. run. I was getting ready for next week and the week after Hot for streak. the Nations League and the week after for the women Euros. I was like, yeah, give me the dates. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for tuning in this season and for tuning into this podcast as well. As I say, it has been a pleasure to host. Thanks to Julian and Martin for joining me this week. And even though the season's finished, please do subscribe to Who Scored. Let's get those subscriber numbers up and we will be back next season. And as ever, only one thing left to say, stay safe. Stay safe.